0: Welcome to the Mad Writers' Union.
1: Speculative destruction, one episode at a time. I'm Jay Wolf.
0: I'm Tim Berger.
1: I'm Nina Niskanen.
2: So today, we thought we would talk about imposter syndrome, and what that means for us as writers uh, and creatives. So a lot of people will have this and not even know what it is, and not realize that it's something that just about every creative actually goes through. From the Wikipedia definition for that, uh, the fear of being exposed that you don't deserve your success or aren't as good as others and can be found out for this, uh, with found out being in cute little quotation marks at any moment. <laughs> so I feel like that imposter syndrome was the one consistent conversation I had. Well, it wasn't everybody. I don't know about you guys. No, it wasn't. <laughs> no, it wasn't everybody, It I wasn't
0: think. everybody, but it, it was... Probably. It was a
2: conversation I had with everybody that I had a conversation with. There were a few right. people I didn't have conversations with. True, right.
0: sure. I, but I, I think of the people that I talked to, and I tried to talk to pretty much everybody. Probably about eighty percent of the people knew what when we got to talking about it. They they understood. Oh yeah, I've done that. That they had experienced that in one way or uh, one form or another.
1: Yes, I think the really notable thing about it though is that. All of the instructors also confess to having imposter syndrome. It's
0: not just neo pros, it's it's people who are in the business who have had levels of success. And oh yeah,
2: that's the insidious thing about it. Yes. And this is a uh, part of my ongoing experience afterwards uh, in the grand journey of being a creative doesn't really matter what kind of success you have, there's not really any such thing as enough success where you're like oh, okay, I'm successful the end Uh, there's always more to that journey and uh, prior to that self-exploration I hadn't really thought about it or processed it and so I've kind of gotten to the point where I'm accepting of the fact that I am never gonna totally be past that That I'm always going to be battling the idea of like, oh no, I'm the worst. A while ago,
1: (laughs) Aidan Doyle published this um, science fiction writer's hierarchy of doubt which starts with why don't I have any ideas and goes through a number of stages like why aren't um, why aren't I on any recommended reading lists or why aren't I nominated for any awards and why don't agents respond to my queries and of course why aren't my stories as good as ted chiang's is referenced multiple <laughs> times yeah would that I we could all be as good as, as ted chiang right to him very randomly at a world fantasy convention once and i was kind of floored when i realized who he was because he was so unassuming <laughs>
0: Something like that, actually, I find plays into imposter syndrome because we have we have these ideals. We have the people who we've read, who we appreciate, who we think that are very good at what they do. And (laughs) there's the dream that they're just sitting on on their barca lounger or whatever, typing up these wonderful things and whipping them off to their agents and selling them off and getting all sorts of respect. And here we are really fighting and struggling to get past what we exactly get past what we think is our own dreck and you know when when you actually meet some of the writers some of the the ones that especially that you admire (laughs) you might have this whiplash effect (laughs) because you realize that they're normal people and in some ways i can be like oh hey they're just like me and as and in some ways i might might actually impact your fandom of them, of uh, are like. Well, what was I so excited about? <laughs> you know. But that usually comes back around. But not that I ever met met the guy. But uh, I was a, still am. I'm a huge Douglas Adams fan, and I read all of his stuff and and what have you. But there was a period of my life where I was just like, well, this doesn't seem so hard, you know. And I looked at his writing, and and I, I didn't I didn't really get it, you know. After appreciating it, and then I came back around once I learned more about writing, what it was like, and what he was accomplishing. I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, now I get it.
2: Yeah, one of the cool things about the the writing as a human experience thing is that mm-hmm. all of these writers are people. Mm-hmm. If you put somebody on a pedestal or even just sort of like kind of unintentionally go through that mental othering of like, oh, well, that person is so much more successful than me or... But then you realize, like, those people have feelings like that or have had feelings like that about other people while they were in the same particular boat. Like, this journey is ongoing,
1: <laughs> uh, even at levels that of success. That is definitely true. How do you deal with imposter syndrome? Because, as we've noted, it comes for everyone in its turn. And <laughs> I was going to say, there are a few things
2: that... I did to manage, even though I don't know that I would say I'm successful in any way at dealing with imposter syndrome. And it may be one of those things where you have to actually retreat into things like cognitive behavioral therapy, (laughs) positive approaches and things like that, and, and just sort of like taking apart the individual thoughts that you have and rearranging them so that they make a little bit more sense. Because... Imposter syndrome comes from a place of I don't want to say deep truth because I don't know that that's quite accurate but part of imposter syndrome that is so insidious is that there are some things where you you might not be an expert or that you you know you On really might not hand, be the best
1: the thing, the thing um, is I, that imposter syndrome rarely attacks those parts At least not for me, because I I realize that I'm not, for example, a gun expert. I've gone to the range once, and that's it. So I recognize that I'm not a gun expert, so it's not like I get insecure about that. But on the other hand, Mm -hmm. I don't know if my writing is any good until someone tells me. And even if they do tell me, I have a tendency to think that oh they're just saying that because they want to be polite well <laughs> and some of that yeah. is because
2: this is a creative endeavor creative endeavors have a subjective quality to them that is unavoidable um, there is no objective best writer there's no way to evaluate who's better at something you can decide that, that you like something better but that doesn't objectively yeah. make something better it's, mm-hmm. It just makes your opinion of one thing is more favorable than the other. And for some of these things, there's just not really any way to have a right answer. And that can be maddening.
0: Cam and Hurley had this blog post talking about the word talented and uh, about how she was starting to get annoyed at being called talented. And I, I think this is where uh, there's some relation here, mostly because at some point of our life, we've probably heard from somebody, somebody that we trust that we are talented, but we know how hard, how much effort we had to get to whatever point we are right now. So we we know how the sausage is made, right? Mm-hmm. And talent, while in and of itself is fine, it's hard work that gets you through everything. And yeah. Cameron's point was that She's been doing this for, and she's incredible. She writes so much in a given year. The fact that she came to the conclusion, the epiphany that, yeah, she actually knows what the hell she's doing. And it's not just talent, right? Um, (laughs) But I think she had to go through this whole thing of realization to to get to that point. And and that's kind of what we have to go through as artists, as writers we have to realize that the things that we're doing are, are valuable and, and, and worth it. On the other hand, it's like Nina said, how do you get that? And and part of that is through having good friends and a good writing group. Yeah,
1: so. I, think, I think friends are very important at this stage. Like, we had this one evening in Viable Paradise when Jay and I and Kelly, our roommate, we were just... Basically talking about how each one of us is amazing in our own ways. How inferior we all felt. And the other two <laughs> were always talking about the one who was being talked about. And and this is during Viable Paradise. Actually, Jay, you should tell this story.
2: Oh no. Which story? <laughs> Stephen Bruce's I kind
1: of want to save that for people who may want
2: to go to Viable Paradise.
1: Actually, I was just thinking about, you know, the whole, thank you. Because that's an important thing that we need it to is. mention. It, it is. And I think I've episode. talked about it
2: outside of there enough that maybe that, that's yeah. not a big deal. So, one of our classmates and I were both standing and talking with Stephen Bruce. Now, Stephen Bruce is one of my favorite authors. I would say that he's one of the ones that I am striving to emulate, if only because I, I absolutely adore the witty banter that he is able to accomplish in every single one of his books. And so, I, I kind of babbling and ramblingly said so to him. And we were standing around like drinking whiskey and stuff,
0: (laughs) like you do. And
2: he looked at me, and he looked at me, and he pointed his finger the way he points his finger sometimes, and he says, "That never gets old." (laughs) Just so you know. (laughs) And he was—he's like, "Oh, all right. This is an exercise." And he turns to and looks to both of us, and he says, "All right. So you guys have finally gotten a chance to, you know, talk to some of us and say all of these kind of things about, you know, you like this, you like that. This is a thing that you're going to go through." If you are a creative, you're making things, people are are consuming. Sooner or later, someone's going to have something nice to say about it. So he turns to me and he says, so Jay, I really, I really appreciate reading your work. And I looked at him as though he had thrown a coffee mug at me. And apparently that was the wrong response. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: no, Sherlock. So he's like, no,
2: no, 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 no. We're going to fix that right now. (laughs) We're going to practice this line. I don't care how you say it. Just say it. Thank you. I really appreciate hearing that. So we did that and I was able to do it with a, a, as you can kind of detect in my voice, a moderate amount of sarcasm. And the one thing about that, that, because he then went and made everybody else go do this exercise. Yes. The one thing that, that I really loved is that everybody started out saying it really sarcastically slash just sort of like, haha, this is a big in-joke. Not saying it at all. Uh, and it, it became very contagious very quickly. And it, it started to get more earnest as the week went on. And I really, without having had the, f- the space to be a little bit sarcastic about it, <laughs> I don't know that it was... Would have been as effective. But because we were able to approach it from a place of being kind of frustrated and nonplussed, I think it made everybody a little bit more comfortable with the baseline, bottom barrel level of accepting that someone enjoyed consuming something that you produced, which can be really difficult as a, a person who does not just writing but also other kinds of artwork. Sometimes you get into a system where you're accustomed to a certain level of head pat and then people walk away. Being a little bit more gracious makes it a lot easier.
1: Yeah, and that brings us back around to getting by with a little help from your friends. Yes. Because your friends will be the people who will talk honestly to you about both your shortcomings and your triumphs. And if they don't, you better get some better friends (laughs) uh
0: that is the truth
1: and the thing is that we when in the grips of well our imposter syndrome talks to us in a way that we would never allow anyone to talk to our friends right Mm -hmm. so it's important that you have writing friends art making friends that a get where that Oh this is dreadful 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 <laughs> is coming from and call bullshit yes right because it's really important that you have friends who call bullshit when you're talking to yourself in a way that you would never allow anyone else to talk to you or your friends right
0: yep. you you need friends to be able to to Uh, give you that safe space uh, to be who you are to freak out a little bit because it's okay to freak out every now and then it's it's natural um i think all of this is a little harder for for particularly people who do art and writing versus actors and musicians per se Uh, well maybe maybe not musicians but but uh, I would say that particular. those are
2: groups of people who also have no concept of good enough. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Which is good.
0: Part of it is how permanent that your art is. I mean, with writers, ours is always presented. Here it is, in you consume it, and it's always there. You're present, and you're aware of all the, the errors. Whereas if you're doing like a performance, yeah, you might realize that there's some errors on there, but you move on. You go to the next mm-hmm. performance. Yeah, and... but
1: on the other hand, you have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're comparing apples and oranges. Well, uh, true. Because for a writer, the performance comes while you're writing the right. thing. And for for an artist, it comes during a live show or during a recording se- session. Not that I actually know this, but <laughs> I would figure because I've seen people like totally trash their early al- album mm-hmm. saying that it's horrible <laughs> and I'm fairly certain that musicians also go through oh, this. Oh yeah.
0: Right, right. I, in that's just a this is just a matter of how permanent that record is. I mean, it, for example, like a musician, if they record an album, yeah, but... you know that they they've, that's always there for posterity. But if they have like a concert where that's a different level, that that's performance. That's something that they get over. So your anxiety levels are different. And you get it's more of a stage fright versus imposter syndrome.
1: I'm not sure that it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, did you ever make a uh, Gaff or a blunder in the moment and then wake up thinking about it years later that wasn't even public. Oh yeah.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I yeah. think
1: I
2: think we're all we're all think, programmed think, for that because yeah. we're writers we, so we're drawn think, to tiny tragedies.
0: Yeah. So,
1: so think if that happened in front of let's say a hundred people.
0: Mm-hmm but i'm just okay i I guess i'm the place i'm coming from at this is i did do uh, a lot of acting uh, especially um in Uh college Mm -hmm. i did a ton of acting and i know i made a lot of errors on on the stage Uh but i can't remember them now they're in the past they they, they're there's just something the the pieces i remember from the stage are the performance bits are the the massive (laughs) technical screw-ups that would happen sometimes (laughs) and and then some of the 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 good effects of things I I remember I I remember the good that came out of that but with the with Uh the things that I've written and I go back and I look at the things that I've written in the past I remember that but I don't necessarily remember that as fondly and I'm like oh my god (laughs) this is this is not good so yeah, we're probably getting a little off.
1: So I think we we can sum it up as, you know, fake it till you make it. Mm-hmm. To an extent if if to an extent honestly kind of being okay with it and just I found that the
2: easiest thing for me was that I just had to write it. I had to be like, you know what, yeah, I, I am terrible and I shouldn't have sent that application in. And then beyond that everything that I've done since then, I kinda have to be like, Okay, fine, yeah, I shouldn't have tried. But yeah. I did. So, you know, either I'm going to be successful or I'm going to fail. And so mode it be. Yeah.
0: But I, the it's like we said earlier, you, it, it's important really to have people that you trust. And they don't have to be your best friends. Because sometimes friends who don't understand writing, they'll they'll pat you on the back. and But they don't understand necessarily what you're going through. Yeah. yeah. So having good writer friends. Creatives. Good creatives who understand... And, and and trying to gut this through on your own is horrible. Don't do it.
2: I'm making the grumpy cat face. In the <laughs> yeah, the grumpy right cat
0: now. face. Don't do it. Find somebody. <laughs> find some. Uh, look for clubs. Uh, get on Twitter. Something. Reach out. Find somebody that you can relate to. And and.
1: Absolute right is a forum yep. for writers.
0: That's an excellent resource. There
1: are Yep. There are many other forms for mm. writers, you just have to find the people. You gotta find the one you fit into.
0: Yep, yep. Yeah. But find those people, because they'll understand. Yep. And the good thing is, chances are they're going through the same thing. And you can help them, and they can help you, and you'll both... Everybody will realize how brilliant everybody
2: is. <laughs> nice.
1: So yes, Tim, have you read any good book, books lately? I
0: have. Been. <laughs> so I've been uh, reading through this book. I'm, I'm just gonna give a short blurb for it because it's it's an older book. It's quote it's pretty popular. Connie Willis, uh, to say nothing of the dog. I've been reading through that. It's wonderful, especially if you are familiar with Jerome K. Jerome's Three Men in a Boat um so go read it it's funny it's got time travel it's set in the 18 well it's set. In, well obviously it's got time travel but a good chunk of the book is set into the late 1900s in england so wonderful funny and it's connie willis so please read it jay have you been re- reading anything interesting yes <laughs> that was a small voice
2: it's a very small voice Oh, uh, what have I read lately? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I can wholeheartedly recommend the most recent issue of Clark's World. That'll be last month's issue of Clark's World by the time this comes out. Uh, so mine is January Clark's World, and I'm just <laughs> going to pull up the table of contents real quick. Basically, everybody in it is awesome. Robert Reed, Rich Larson, Ye Catherine Tobler, Bao Shu, Megan Lindholm, Robert Silverberg. It's an aces. Wonderful, banging, kick-ass. So read it.
1: Nice. Cool. Nina, what you been reading? My turn. So I have to preface this by saying that I adore everything Shauna McGuire writes. It's like she literally dips into my well, not literally figuratively, dips into my brain, gets out all the things that give me warm fuzzies and like <laughs> horrible nightmares, and puts them in a book
0: <laughs>
1: and I love it so. This week, as we're recording, her latest book, Indexing Reflections, came out. Indexing is basically a series of novellas about men in black and fairy tales. Oh, cool. Yes. So there's this secret government agency that is trying to prevent fairy tales from taking over because everyone falling asleep in a city for a hundred years is Kind of bad if they're not all in a hospital. And you're you're verklempt. I'm I am entirely biased. (laughs) Yes, smitten. Yes, I am. I loved it. I tore through it, and I cannot recommend it enough. Very very nice. And the fun thing is that it's it's episodic. So there's a fairy tale that they have to stop in every episode, and then there's a series arc. Nice, cool, awesome.
0: This has been the Mad Writer's Union.
1: Now let's get to work.
0: Our intro music is Cephalopod, and our interlude music is Exotics, both by Kevin McLeod at IncomTech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by attribution 3.0. Hello, MWU listeners. How are you? Really? Really? How are you? We hope you're doing well. So how are we doing? Why not take a moment to do something really old-fashioned and drop us a line? You can reach us at our website, madwritersunion.com. You can find us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash themadwritersunion. You can tweet to us on our Twitter handle at madwritersunion. And last but not least, you can email us at MadWritersUnion@gmail.com. at gmail.com.
1: I think the really notable thing about it, though, is that all of the instructors also confess to having instructor... Uh, (laughs) imposter syndrome. (laughs) (laughs) Instructor syndrome.
0: Instructor syndrome can strike at any time. (laughs) We are so getting in trouble for this one.
2: (laughs) I'm going to have to save that giggle because it's a very cute giggle, but I'm not going to keep it in, oh. the, in the podcast. <laughs> oh.
0: Do you know I go swimming for one hour after instructor syndrome?
2: <laughs> Damn it, Tim.
0: Sorry. Damn it.
2: i trying to be productive here.
0: Oh, God.
2: Yeah,
1: I can't talk. Biddle. <laughs> <That
0: all. laughs> anyway, you were saying success.